Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hello and welcome back to another edition of the Holtcast. Cole Pedham here. As always, and as always, my good friend Danny Raza is here as well. Danny, how you doing? Hello, hello. I'm not too bad. I'm doing well. Happy New Year, everybody. It's the first podcast of 2021, isn't it, I believe, Cole? Yeah, absolutely. What a nightmare I'm having so far because I absolutely forgot it's 2021. You can tell what kind of mindset I'm in right now. I'm losing tracks, uh, track of time in days and basically everything right now. But nonetheless, of course, we're here to chat about Manchester United 2, Aston Villa 1. Um, I'm still not over um, what transpired yesterday, but Danny, to kind of put it in more of a, a positive tone to, to kick things off, I mean, it's a good sign to leave Old Trafford kind of th- feeling hard done by, isn't it? Yeah, it was a good performance, really good performance from Villa. I think just continuing this trend of going um, to every single game and basically never walking out of it looking like the worst team, regardless of the result. Um, it's been like that for a little while now, even when they lost to West Ham in, I think it was back in November now. Uh, Villa just looking like a solid side, just players look like they're improving. McGinn and Louise, for example, keeping that hold on midfield. Uh, we're just, we've just got a couple of niggling problems at the moment, which maybe just need to get sorted out, but we're nearly there. Uh, to be honest, I don't think many Villa fans would have come out of that match feeling like the team has gone backward in any way whatsoever. In many ways, a game decided by the finest margins. Uh, Villa still very much in it with the big teams. Which is crazy. I think we only slid down to six. So, like, I mean, it could be a lot worse in terms of things. But, I mean, if you look at the table overall from, like, I think it's 13th to probably 5th. It's like a matter of points and maybe even 14th, actually, because I think of Arsenal, who are playing right now on the Saturday. You guys will hear this on the Sunday. I think they can finish on 20 points if they beat West Brom. It just shows how tight things are. So I'm sure there'll be a lot more movement here in the coming weeks. But like you said there, Danny, it, it it's tough, but it's also pleasing. I mean, I think a lot of things when it comes to Villa games, and I guess a lot of people kind of have in the back of their mind is, how will we start games? And I know traditionally last season, especially I'm mean, in previous seasons too, we start off a bit slowly and kind of shoot ourselves in the foot. And I think this was always going to be one of those games where you kind of just dive into it and you have to see where it plays out. You know, United are going to play on the break. They're going to play hard and they're going to play high up the pitch. And they did just that. They had a few opportunities. The defense was easily able to nullify them with a bit of luck, of course, here and there, of course, you need a bit of that, but Nothing to really write home about there, but I guess what's the first thing we should move on to, Danny? I guess we can go right into the first goal conceded, of course, Mm. from the Villa side of things. I mean, I don't want to blame Tyrone Mings because I I think when you look back at it, there's literally, I think there's three players tracking back at that same time. So I don't want to say where does the blame lie, Danny, but what could have been done better, I guess? I think first of all, you know, being, I think this, this comes, I think comes back to, you know, being wasteful from set pieces sometimes. That is a weakness that we have 
to be honest. We are quite wasteful from set pieces. And if Traore doesn't, you know, absolutely ruin that <laughs> chance, then United don't come back, right? But, um, you know, I suppose it's a little bit further behind play. I think as well, just you see, you know, you see the United, United attack. I think it's one bissaka just running straight down the right. And he's pretty much uncontested. You kind of hope that Villa sort of see this coming a little bit earlier. But, you know, it's difficult. It's difficult. He just finds himself in acres of space. McGinn can't get there quick enough. You expect Mings to get to that. And I have to admit, at first, uh, it was my... Initially, I would have said that Mings is at fault there. But I think now, you know, looking back at it, he was probably caught a little bit for that footed. I think somebody, somebody else should have been marking Martial there. Or I think Konza really should know that should know where Martial is as he's coming in. I don't know whether there's been a miscommunication or a shout or whatever. Either way, when there's four defenders in the box, I don't really like seeing those go in. Yeah, I I mean, the way the kind of play was going on that, a lot of players are kind of running straight at goal where, I mean, it's easy to say now in hindsight, but you kind of think the defense kind of would have swerved a little bit, I guess, to the right running towards their own goal. Just... To cut that off, because if you think if they run at it more diagonally, argue, I mean, this is literally clutching at straws, but like if you run at it more diagonally, more chances than none, you're going to stop those balls that are going to come behind you. And it's tough on Mings too. It's forward momentum. You're sprinting all the way back and to have it go mm-hmm. right behind you. It, it, it's a tough one, but it's also hard because a lot of people do get on the back of Tyrone Mings. And we've talked about this before, Danny, with the whole, all the England stuff and should it be dropped until he cut some of the smaller details and smaller bad habits that he has out of his game and I mean stupidly enough I saw a few people on Twitter yesterday saying that we should sell him and think we could uh, do better without him and I think it's a very irrational thing to say given what he's done for this club over the last year plus and I mean what he does organizationally as well but I mean where do you stand with him because like I mean I think we have a true gem in Ezra Konza and I think it's already evident that Konza is better than Mings. And people can argue with me that all they want, but I, I it's think an interesting take call. Yeah, I mean, you you can't you, don't just say it. You've got to substantiate that now. That's a, that's a big take. Yeah, true. But I just, uh, yeah. <laughs> now I'm now I'm nervous. <laughs> I'm, but... putting you, I'm putting I'm putting I'm putting you back on on on, on the back foot here, mate. I've got to ask you why you think that is. Breaking news. Um, no, I just think if you look at the growth and development of Ezri Khan's in the last, you could probably even say six months, it's been absolutely unreal. And I don't know if Mings has hit his peak, but I mean, how old is Mings now? Is he 26, 27? Yeah, he's 27. 27. So at some point, he's going to hit his peak. Maybe he already has, but Ezri's a lot younger. There's a lot more room for improvement. And I think the whole thought of buying him was probably in eventually probably to sell him on. You would imagine, unless we have a lot of good runs and eventually European football and all that kind of stuff. But he just seemed like a much more of a, I guess the ceiling's much higher is what I'm trying to say. It, I, I just see with their game and I'm not really explaining this the best and I wish I was, but I just see a lot more execution in Kanza's game with Mings. I find there's a lot of high risk, high reward. And I think we've seen that. I just think the opportunity for Konza to grow is there versus Mings, where I feel like 
with Mings, I think we already have the fitness package is what I'm trying to say with this whole yeah, yeah, rant. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. if people think I'm talking, talking absolute shits fair enough, but yeah. Anyways, what are your thoughts? <laughs> I think, I think, yeah, it's, it's an interesting one. I, th- I think Konza, uh, uh, like you said, he's, he's, he's a good few years younger than Mings. So we don't know where the ceiling is with him. Like he's, um, he's still very young, but also looks very calm, very composed, looks like an experienced center back, perhaps doesn't have the leadership qualities that Tyrone Mings does. Um, at the moment, you know, you never see Israel Konza shouting or trying to organize anything. Tyrone Mings is always that that um, that central defensive organizer. And I'm a big fan of Tyrone Mings. I think he's a fantastic player. But like you said, there is there are those little areas and stuff that he maybe needs to sort out. That being said, December we conceded one goal or something like that. Um, and I think that it's probably not just a it's not just a Tyrone Mings issue this anyway. And I think Dean Smith. Is, is picked up on it as well. But, you know, it's it's to do with all that slow starting and everything. If everybody was just just raised their game a little bit more, if everybody was just a little bit more switched on, I I wonder if Villa would have a few more points this season. There was one there was one pass that Jack Grealish made, I think, as well against United that was wayward and kind of like set Bruno Fernandes through. I can't remember yeah. who it yeah. was. It was, wasn't it? Yeah. Right? It happens. But those kinds of things shouldn't be happening. And you've got to be thinking about, whether it happens often enough. Anyway, anyway, I digress. Courtney House, <laughs> Courtney House was solid as well when he stepped in for the last couple of weeks. I wonder whether you would have started him. Would he have done any better than Tyrone Mings in that situation? Really, I'm not sure. That being said, uh, what we let United score from that and we answer back. Do you know what I mean? It's yeah. it's a fairly even game. It's a fairly even game up until that point. At no point am I thinking United running away with this. They're dominating. Um, Villa answered back against Chelsea. Will they answer back against United? We do. Yeah, and interestingly enough, I mean, it's rather quick too, and it was rather quick right after the half against Chelsea as well. So I I think we're starting to build a better sample size in terms that we can comfortably say, like, one more behind, we can get back into it. And it's becoming evident. I think that's another kind of example of growth in this team and quick growth if anything like i'm still flabbergasted this turnaround within the last six months is absolutely unreal and i mean i guess you could blame the whole kind of um covid kind of break and all that kind of stuff it gave dean smith more time to work with these players but it just seems like everyone's clicked into the next gear and i i mean Mm -hmm. a bit of luck with the triore goal i mean it's kind of the same as the one we conceded and a lot of people point at mings is it just kind of slipped across the box and went through quite a few legs and it just ended up with Triore. It was, it was still a brilliant piece of movement there, but a bit of fortune again, I, if you really chalk those out, it probably could have easily been a, a nil nil result. Danny, don't you think? Yeah. But I mean, again, look, this is, this is, this is where you make your luck and this is where Villa, you know, this is where I'd like to see them improve on. A lot of the time I see a lot of the floated balls into the box, right? Where, you know, Watkins can't quite jump high enough or, um, it kind of goes over people. That that cross from from Grealish was pinpoint. And Villa had like three men in the box right there, and that's something you wouldn't have seen for the teams of old. You know, having that many men in the box. I think it was. I think you know, it's it's simple mathematics. The more men you have in the box, the the more likely you are to, <laughs> you know, get a touch on it. Um, and I think you know, it's a classic goal in that sense. So yeah, very good pass from Grealish. Burton Traore happening to be in the right place at the right time. To me, looking like a very good finisher actually, Traore starting to look that way anyway um maybe perhaps more so than El Ghazi but um yeah good to see Villa answer back there and and again you know it was a goal that was coming it wasn't like Villa were being outplayed at all and and I think second half Villa came out looking like a very good team actually very comfortable 
Yeah, I, I think the thing too, and actually this might be actually a good transition point, and I want your thoughts on Ollie Watkins. Do you think he's a little bit tired, Danny? Like, I don't know what it is. I don't know if it's – I wouldn't say it's a lack of confidence, but I don't know if he's a little frustrated with with the chances he should be putting away and it's just not mm. going in for him. Is He He looks a little bit tired to me. I, I mean, we don't really have another solid option where you'd go, okay, he could score a few goals. So, like, yeah. what, what are your thoughts on that? Because, I mean, it, it does kind of leave us in a bit of predicament where we're literally using our best options so much because of the lack of options. Yeah, I mean, it's – um. It's starting to look like he's a bit tired, yeah. I mean, I think I think it's one of those where perhaps you won't see that if he does manage to get a goal in. I mean, this is there's a lot of pressure on that young man's head, right? There's a lot of pressure on him. He's coming at a thirty million pound price tag. He's he's shown that he's capable because I'm, I'm telling you, average strikers don't score two against Liverpool and hat tricks against Arsenal. That's yeah. not something that average strikers do. Their talent is there, but something is just a little bit off right now, and he's not attacking the ball like you would expect a striker to. Um, do I think he's poor? No, I think I think I think he just needs that one goal. Um, I mean, Villa tried that with the penalty, right? It <laughs> yeah. Never, it never happened. <laughs> but then that, but then that treatment worked with Al Ghazi. Uh, but you know, I think the fact of the matter is, though, unfortunately, Cole, I mean, we're in a situation where you know he's a thirty million pound striker. We need those goals being put away. But um, as long as Villa is scoring, it gives him a little bit more time. It buys him more time. You know, strikers do go on long runs without scoring goals. It's happened before. It's happened to strikers before. Um, uh, hopefully, hopefully it won't be long until he does grab one. But you know, little things like Keenan Davis. Why is it taken until the eighty-fourth minute to bring him on? Right, like it's the, you know, you know that if you want your strikers to score goals, if you want if you want people to kind of sniff the net, basically, like you can't be giving them five minutes at the end to come on and try it. You know, if maybe maybe what it needed for Watkins was another was a target man to kind of support him up there. Well, that was the thing that seemed to work as soon as uh, Keenan Davis came on. I yeah, mean, he had an opportunity right away, and yes, he should have been done, should have done better. But to be fair, to the amount of well, lack of game time he's had recently, how quickly you've come on, it did come at him rather quickly as well. It, it's a lot to expect for someone so quickly, but it, it, it seemed well. I mean, the one right at the end too. I mean, we're skipping over the Pogba thing. But that's gonna probably be the biggest thing that we talk about. So we'll, we'll get to that shortly. But I mean, he had a opportunity at the end if it wasn't for i think it was eric Bailly that blocked it. it was a very good block to be fair to him i mean that was probably a, a goal and i just dropped my phone so that's great uh, right onto right. my toe if that felt fantastic uh but anyways yeah like it's a little frustrating when like do you like the 442 when we kind of switch it to that because i mean it's a lot more direct there's support for walk-ins but i almost wonder what if you keep it as a, a 433 and you put walk-ins out wide and see what happens there like what are your thoughts there no i mean i think i think different games require different solutions and i think sometimes we need to go more direct sometimes watkins will find it a little bit difficult to kind of get himself into the box especially if his job is to run the lines right like what you know maybe maybe if Davis comes on earlier, you have a target man next to him, you have some more support closer to him, somebody can kind of pick him out or or or, or, or drop it down to him, or alternatively he sets them up. Um it's just it's just a little bit different, I guess, but I suppose that's just not the way that Smith likes to play football. We've talked about this a lot. He has he has his way. And I think even with Grealish playing as a number ten, he never really looks like he's playing that high up the pitch. So it still seems like Watkins can be a little bit uh, on his own at times but Cole like you said man glossing over Pogba aren't we <laughs> yeah should I do that before should we talk about that before uh 
before we go too far into yeah let's, at the end let's do it i mean oh my god i so okay so i've talked to i think four united fans about this one out of the four i mean a small sample size keep in mind one of the four admitted on twitter to me um that they believed it wasn't a penalty they just said they basically called it as they see it like if that was basically their whole kind of justification was like you'll take it obviously if it's given i mean who wouldn't but like realistically it's not a penalty so um, the best way I can explain this is Pogba's on the edge of the box, running just inside the box. Douglas Louise is right beside him, really not all over. I'm not mauling him, but just really running beside him. I, I, if you look down and breaking down to slow motion, Pogba's running. So is Dougie Louise. Pogba's leg kind of kicks the back of Dougie Louise, which apparently people are calling that a foul. I don't really understand how the attacking player could kick someone's leg and then fall and that's a foul but anyways shortly after that he'll basically like a millisecond after that he tries to regain it and then kicks his own foot his other foot and then falls down yeah so the key thing uh, is though that yeah d- does douglas does douglas make contact before i mean to pogba's leg to cause that no like that that that's the issue like okay okay it touches but that's but that's what var sees var looks at that and goes well douglas louise's leg does catch pogba's leg and but it's Pogba hitting Douglas Louise's leg. It's not Douglas Louise hitting Pogba. You know what I mean? Like, Listen, I didn't think it was a penalty, right? So it, it reminds me so much of the for uh, Bruno Fernandez one um, last season at Villa Park, where yeah. like they literally, he, I think it was Konza too. I think where he literally stepped on Konza's leg, and I'm thinking, how do you like? You know what I mean? It, it's that one was that one was was just that was that was ridiculous. That one. Yeah, Manchester United. That's all I can say. I understand the argument for this one. That's what I'm saying. I do understand the argument for this one. But but what 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 my issue is, you know, just watching as a Villa fan, is that how do we manage to get on the wrong side of these all the time, right? Because because the the first thing that I thought of when United get this penalty and the decision isn't overturned is that like well. Yeah, I, I understand that it needs to be a clear and obvious error. Technically, that should work, right? Technically, if it's not clear and obvious, if there, if it is deemed that it could be a penalty, then fine. I kind of get that. Yeah, I understand the officiating there. But I just, I cast my eyes back to the Solly March and Trezeguet thing. And it's like, yeah. well, we didn't get a penalty for that. We got, we, we, we had a penalty removed because of, because, I mean, even though Solly March catches... Uh, catches Trezeguet. So, you, are you telling me that if there's any form of contact, it has to be a penalty? Because which is it? Well, it's like the Palace thing last year with Lansbury. Like, no, it, well, let's not go back to the Celtics. Oh, let's there. let's not do that. <laughs> it's that's that's different. It, it's different, but it's in the same context of like I I don't understand it. So obviously, it goes back down to the referee to him make to for him to make the final call. I believe that's how it was played out. I, Danny, honestly, I'm, I'm getting to the point now. I almost wonder when it goes from the referee making the decision, goes to VR review, and then VAR comes back and says, okay, go have a look at the screen. I'm seriously wondering with some of these refs, if it becomes, when it comes to that third stage, if they just sometimes, depending on the ref, upheld it because they don't want to look like an idiot because they made that initial call. I don't, I don't think that's an issue because I think I think with, with something like that, you know, you have to get used to it, right? And And at the end of the day, you want to you want you want to make sure the decision is right. Um, you don't want any controversy as a referee. You don't want that as as much as as much as um, controversy follows them. But yeah, I, I feel like that had to be a go look at it incident. You know, it, it had to be a go check it out on the screen type incident. You know, because otherwise, in the back of the referee's head, it's just well, okay, fine, it's probably okay. But 
I don't understand. I don't understand how VAR have looked at that and and given the penalty. But eh, whatever. Nah, it's. I, I'm just yeah. so I'm just salty about it. I just feel like I just feel like Villa works really hard. Probably deserved a little bit more out of the game, and to get undone by that was just a bit. It just felt like a bit of a kicker, especially because of the Bruno Fernandez incident in the last game. It's just you know uh, they'll feel a bit hard done by. Well, see, I don't know. Maybe this could be my second hot take of the episode, and maybe I'll make more sense with this one, but. It, like to be honest if that's united city and maybe a couple other teams in this league that's gonna be called if it's us or probably the majority it's not it's probably gonna be reversed i i just honestly i feel like there's a bias there i i just feel like something's present where it's almost like you have to appeal to some higher power with some of I'm these sure there isn't there, there, there isn't but i think for fans of um teams that aren't you know, doing as well as them. Uh, that if 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 they have been, if they have had um, their fair share of VAR inst- uh, VAR decisions go against them, you know that's how it will begin to look. But you know, then again, you look at teams like Liverpool, who, to be fair to them, have had a lot of decisions go against them. United, for whatever reason, have had a lot of reasons to go for them, but they haven't always been doing this well. You know what I mean? It's not. Um, I don't think it's a biased thing. I think it's. I think it's. What happens is it needs to come down to consistency, and at the end of the day, there hasn't been that consistency. And I think we're still waiting for the whole VAR system to just level out a little bit more, because I think for for some people, there's a perception that one week it's one rule and the next week it's another. I think really it is. It, it, there's no consi- I don't know. There's no consistency with this whole system it seems like for maybe one match week it seems like everything goes fine and then it's a different set of rules three weeks later it just there needs to be a balance of okay this is going to go this way this is going to be the decision if this might maybe needs to be looked at there just needs to be a a better framework i feel like the framework's so flexible where it it just doesn't fit as it should i guess if that makes sense but nonetheless let's get on for that of course bruno fernandez scores the penalty uh the other thing i will say danny quick quickly and if you want to give your thoughts on this after i find it hilarious when especially united fans who make compilations of jack Grealish um put the united shirt on him all the time and say he's coming there um as soon as possible call him a diver and i'm thinking you have your star man bruno fernandez is all over the floor all the time and I think it was, I don't know who United played before us. If you know, feel free to let me know. But I swear there was a passage of play where Fernandez was literally running with the ball and then just fell over and held his ear. And in the replay, like there was no hand that even came near his head and he's holding it. Like he literally just got stabbed in the ear. And I'm thinking I'm getting abuse on Twitter because some guy is saying, oh, well, that is a penalty. And they gave you guys all the decisions when um, Jack Grealish was diving 20 times. I'm thinking there's a difference between Jack Grealish using his body to shield the ball outside of the box and create a play versus, and well, that and Amanda Madison getting somehow 20 fouls without actually getting carded. And then literally Paul Pogba yeah. who trips and then tells Luke Shaw to dive. The fouls, the, the fouls thing, actually, you know, in in the United Villa game, that was very frustrating. Especially the last ten minutes, it felt as though Villa couldn't um, move the ball forward without without being brought down. Um, and I don't know at what point professional fouls or persistent fouling gets you know gets given a yellow. But I, like Bruno, Bruno made a lot of fouls in that game. Yeah, 
I just felt it just felt like it was going to take forever to get any of those guys carded. Um, I, I know it weird. Did you ever did you notice when we try to take a a, a a quick free kick, they block it off every time? Like, does that not eventually be your? No, we do that too. Villa do that as well. El, El as Garz, much as that, though, El is the main guy to do that kind of thing. Uh, stuff. Maybe I don't catch it enough. Fair enough, but it feels you don't totally... because it's because it, when it's your team, you don't notice these things. Yeah, true. That's fair enough. But anyway, should we should we get to the end? Should we get to the heartbreaking bit where we thought Big Keenan was gonna <laughs> slide it away and become a hero, or what? No, nah, I never thought it was gonna happen. I would have <laughs> loved it if it did. But he, but he needs. He it has to be more than six minutes. The end, Dino. Like give you know because because in those last few it's those last few minutes to be fair, teams like United they'll they'll pass it around and just like like we saw before just foul Villa into oblivion. You know the impetus has to be there 10, 15 minutes beforehand, not yeah. not in the last six minutes, man. Yeah, what's the point of making a change of plan that late? Well, if you think about it this way, so say if it, what was it the eighty fourth minute he came on? Yeah, eighty fourth. Yeah, minute. so. It's arguably, it's probably going to take him a few minutes to kind of get up to pace, up to speed, and just kind of get your mind right in there fully once you're actually in the pace of a game. Like, it just doesn't, especially the way the play was going. I mean, it was 50-50 possession at the end of it, and that's another very good stat for Villa and showing how even this game was. I, I just think you need to bring these guys on in the 70th, at least the 75th, like at the latest. Like, they need like at least 15 minutes to impose some will on this game. Like I honestly, I can't remember and people feel free to correct me if I'm wrong. I can't remember the last time a Villa player came on after the 80th minute as a substitute and scored. Yeah. Neither do I. You just, you you do. Oh yeah. Algazi. Oh, fair enough. But I mean, you do that. You literally, you do that for like a youngster to make his debut. Right. Like Ramsey. Give him 10 minutes. That's fine. But I think I think what Dean's worry is that well, if I take off Traore, I take off El Ghazi. When I lost my creativity, I lost some threat, and the balance of the team is gone. And I understand that argument as well. Um, by the way, speaking of the substitutions, did Traore look a bit angry to you getting brought off for Jordan uh, for Jacob Ramsey? Yeah, but I like that though. That shows a bit of fire. Yeah, like true, I, I want true. them to be pissed off. I want them to be upset because they know what they can do. And to be fair, like I mean, you would feel hard done by scoring the goal, and he had it. All right, game. I mean, that free kick was probably the worst thing I've ever seen. But uh, like, and we, Danny, I'm sure you know what I'm talking about. Um, <laughs> like, I, I don't know. It, it, Traore, and I guess you can kind of throw. Al-Ghazi. It was bad. Yeah, it was bad. You can kind of throw Traore and Algazi into the, kind of the same spectrum in terms of they're going to have that one million, like that one kind of second of brilliance. So they're also going to have that one second of utter tragedy. Like, they're not going to always be like a 95 percent superb player it, it, there's going to be a lot of ups and downs with them yeah yeah so i mean you kind of get what you give especially when you're not the wingers players. i'd want straight through on goal one-on-one with the keeper but i think that's wingers too traditionally unless i mean i guess yeah. playing jack out wide is kind of a actually yeah. Traore is a finisher Traore is a finisher i trust him more than greedish actually one-on-one with the keeper well he was didn't he play center forward striker at leon so like he has experience to, yeah. so he can finish. I mean, the the one footed thing is a little frustrating at times, but uh, nonetheless, I mean, he got us back in this game. That's all that matters. It's just, I, I think to sum it up, really, Danny, it it's just unlucky. Like we didn't do anything really wrong. Like you can't really be disappointed when un- you've been probably kind of unjustifiably screwed over a little bit, especially. Like it's just, 
I mean, it's how football is. Like players look for dives, players look for cheap fouls. There, a lot of things are overanalyzed with technology. It's just, it's just the game we live in today. Attitude's right. Uh, attitude's good though, right? Like you know, Dean Smith's asked after the game, "What do you think of the performance?" He doesn't say like like me and you. We both said that. Oh, it's good. You know, was, Villa, Villa played well. It's is this is positive. He didn't say that. Dean Smith, the first thing was first 15 minutes felt like a testimonial game. We needed to do better. And that that's the attitude that Villa need now. I think it's almost switched because last season, you know, we would have got this result and, you know, we'd have been in and around the relegation zone and it has said, well, you know, we're getting there, you know, things are getting... But but now, I think what, what, the, what, what we're seeing is now the team have made really good performances against top sides, you know, won a couple of games really comfortably, shown what they're all about. And there's this belief that they can go on and do a little bit better. So when they come out of a game with nothing, they look back at themselves and think, well, it's not good enough. Yeah. <laughs> we should be doing better than this. Um, because Villa, Villa don't want to be considered amongst the, amongst the, I don't know. Oh, this, this is going to sound harsh. No, yeah. No, they don't want to be considered amongst the, the West Broms and the, and the Sheffield United's down the bottom of the table. Yeah, you know they want to be considered up there with the Leicesters and the Wolves, right? Yeah, hundred percent. I mean, we haven't seen these heights since like ten years ago, if not more. Now, like it's it's taken a long time to get back to where a lot of not even Villa fans, like I have other friends and uh, of that are fans of other clubs that are saying like you guys are. I wouldn't say rightfully like where you belong, but like you guys should be in the upper half of the table, traditional, like traditionally speaking, it, it's just nice to see and realize how far we've come in such a quick succession. And I think the one thing that tells us Danny is we actually have the foundation and set up the way that we just have been missing and crying out for, for probably you could say nine plus 10 plus years. It's just, we're getting things right. It's going to take time. There's going to be times where we probably still lose players for a high dollar value we bring in new up-and-comers again it's a seller's market unless you're barcelona real madrid united manchester city etc etc you're gonna find these talents and sell them on eventually for high dollar value and i i think the best part of being a villa fan right now is that we're seeing these players grow and develop and they're hitting the heights for us i mean we could have signed half these players and we could be where West Brom or, or where Sheffield United are. It, it, I guess the long story short is it's just nice to see how far we've come. Yeah. I think the setup's right. I think more than anything, um, the setup's right. You know, I've brought in some good coaching staff, got Craig Shakespeare in who's, you know, almost, it almost seems like he's, he's added an extra element to our game. I'm not sure what that is, but is um we've definitely seen a lot of improvements since he's come along. I think the scout the the scouting uh, and the the idea about the players that we need to sign. I think it's all improved. Everything everything looks so specific now. You know, like before, might as well just mention this real quickly because we're going because it's January, right? Yeah. Um, you know how like before, I see a big player on a free or a big player available, and you think, oh, I'd love him to be at the Villa. I now think, would they work though? Would they work in that system? Are they it, hard that's work so that nice to feel enough? that. Yes. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like Diego Costa's on a free. I don't think it'd work at Villa. No, that's more of a wolf signing. I feel like, if anything. Yeah. So. But you know, it's 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 interesting. It's just it's a case of now we are trying to run it like a big franchise club. I think that that's probably where 
Wes Edens has his experience as well. well I think the best way to kind of sum it up, Danny, is we're buying players to fit the system, not just players to come in and just play for the club. Mm -hmm, Exactly. It's not that that player is that player A has, has, I don't know, is supposed to be bigger than the club. It's the club is bigger than you. You work in the system together. We can have success if all the cogs in the machine work correctly. I think that's the best part. But anyways, uh, before we get to our match balls, I'm just going to read out a few of uh, our listener Twitter comments. Of course, if you want to get involved in the future, it's at 7,500 to hold. I'll just reach out, uh, read two or three. Uh, Gregory Michael says, wouldn't mind seeing the 4-4-2 earlier on in the game. Davis added a physical threat in the box and had chances. Uh, Andy Day says their goal was just one of those. Their second was an unjustified penalty. Our goal was superbly worked and summed up the creative, accurate team interplay. Some great passes, neat touches, and well-rehearsed understanding between players and always looking to go forward. And I'll end it with uh, Darren Cook, who says the difference was there uh, was, sorry, the difference was that there was, (laughs) sorry, this is not the best (laughs) English. The difference was that there was a touch quicker going forward, or they were quicker a touch going forward, I should say. We could easily win it but lost today. That's a huge positive. Sorry, Darren. I absolutely butchered that, but nonetheless, you guys know what I'm trying to say. But anyways, of course, like I said before, tweet us at 7,500 to Holt um, if you want to get your post-match thoughts read. But anyways, Danny, uh, before we wrap things up, uh, who do you give your match ball to? Uh, I'm going to go Jack Grealish. Played a very good game. Got himself a, a good assist. And again, you know, just everything seemed to be going through him. I think I think uh, a, a fair shout out to John McGinn, who I think did very well in the midfield again. I mm-hmm. think he followed up his last week's performance, a very good one as well. Um, but yeah, I think Jack Grealish for me. Uh, fair enough. I'm going to go differently. Uh, special shout out to Matty Cash, who I really, really... He might be like one of my favorite signings, as far as I can remember. Like he's just so exciting to watch bomb down the right and how well he can get back and make up and recover is so impressive. Um, so special mention to him, uh, but I'm going to go with Emmy Martinez. I think he kept us in the game in certain situations oh, where, uh, I mean, United had a few absolutely clear set goals. I think if that was probably another keeper, um, again, I think he's been our best signing and I think he's probably going to prove to be our best goalkeeping signing probably in the last 10 plus year years. And I guess maybe that's a bold statement. Oh, We've yeah, had a few sure. good ones at least, but. He's I think he's the best keeper an... I've seen in a Villa shirt since I've started watching, actually. Could he be the best goalkeeper we've had in the, in the 2000s? Uh, people will argue Friedel, won't they? Yeah. Maybe maybe even that one year of maybe, Schmeichel. Maybe too small of a sample size, I guess, for now. Yeah, maybe give so, him... Yeah. Maybe after two seasons, we'll see. But yeah, I have to give it to Emmy. I, I think it's fair enough. But anyways, Danny, let's uh, let's wrap oh, things up. But yeah, dude, do you have anything? One quick thing as well, it's just on Matty Cash, because I just remembered because you mentioned it. I think like, you know, during the Manchester United game, there was a tweet going around that somebody said that he looks like the perfect WWE wrestler. Someone said that he looked like a three-time intercontinental champion. And I can't get that image out of my head now. <laughs> Holding the million dollar belt. <laughs> oh, yeah, that, that as well, yeah. <laughs> Matty Cash. <laughs> Holding the money in the bank and has the million dollar belt all because his last name is Cash. <laughs> Exactly. The money in the bank. That's that's more that's more current. <laughs> <laughs> the Miz would be pissed. I'm sure a lot of people don't know what we're talking about. But anyways, let's wrap it up there, Danny. Of course, uh, big thanks to Danny. As always, if you want to find him on Twitter, it's at Razajurno. You can find me, Cole Pedum, on Twitter 
at Talk Aston Villa. Of course, you can tweet the 7500 the Holt team at 7500 the Holt. Email us um, for whatever reasons you want, of course, at Holtcast or Holtcast at gmail.com. Um, and you know what? If you guys could be so kind, if you're listening on uh, Apple Podcasts, give us a five star review. It's always appreciated. It makes basically easier for other people to find us and it's just really a nice thing to do and if there's a system for whatever way you're listening to us feel free to do that as well always appreciate it let's leave it there the fa cup is next weekend against liverpool so let's hope that's not karma coming back at us and hopefully they're not looking for too much of revenge but anyways we'll leave it there and don't forget up the villa When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.